Uh, scusi. Barbara Boopy? Che cosa? Peter, what are you doing? Speaking Italian. Barbara Boopy? Barbara Boopy, Barbara Barbara. Peter, you can't speak Italian just because you have a mustache. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hola, podcast listener. On today's episode, I'd like to share with you one of my issues, and it's language learning. So like many of us, I spent a lot of time in foreign countries, and I'm ashamed to admit that aside from a few jokes and the names of my favorite dishes and restaurants, I really haven't picked up a whole lot of the languages of the places that I've lived in and experienced. And now things are starting to get real. Because as many of you know, I recently moved to Spain, set up a residence here, and really fallen in love with the beautiful city of Barcelona. And not only is Spanish an incredibly useful language to learn, it would help me in a lot of my daily interactions here, but frankly, it's starting to get a little embarrassing. (laughs) And I really don't know how to go about it. I mean, I just never have learned a foreign language. For me, even more importantly, I'm really busy. And I really want to know what I'm getting into because from where I stand, it looks really intimidating. And maybe some of you can relate to this as a busy business owner. I honestly, like, I've been scared to make the investment, you know, to cut out what I feel like might be weeks or even months out of a year in order to learn a foreign language. Well, that's the whole thing. I don't even know if I learn it. So I'm scared of that investment. In today's program, I thought I'd seek the advice of two people who have forged successful businesses out of language learning and speak tons of languages themselves. And you can see it when you go to their websites. These people really know how to learn foreign languages. And by the way, I'm going to be posting the links to all the resources that today's guests bring up at tropicalmba.com slash language learning. So my first guest is Benny Lewis of fluentin3months.com an excellent blog that I've actually been reading the information on, but not really taking action on it. So I had to call the man himself to get a pep talk and some information on how I can proceed. And it's also worth mentioning that Benny recently launched his language hacking guide in a collaboration with Teach Yourself, which is an international language learning publishing brand. So they literally, from the huge audience that Benny's built on his blog, Fluent in Three Months, They've put his face on their brand. That's a really exciting collaboration, so congratulations, Benny. So let's just jump right into it. I threw a wish in the well. Do ask me, I'll gladly tell. A language I want to speak well, but something's in my way. Spend so much for these lessons and more tests. So Benny, the real reason I'm calling you today is because I have a problem. I have many problems, but I'll share with you one that you might have some insight into. I've been living in Spain since January, and I don't speak any more Spanish than I knew when I first moved here. I'm getting embarrassed. I want to interact more with people around me, and I've never been able to successfully learn a language. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about what you might do with a hard case like myself. Your story, believe it or not, is almost exactly the same as my story. So calling you a hard case implies that I'm a hard case. And I have 
published courses in languages at this stage. I've written books about it. I've blogged about language learning and YouTubed about language learning. So people would presume that I'm just a natural language learner. But back in 2003, when I graduated in my 20s, I also moved to Spain. And I was living in Valencia for six months. At the end of those six months, I could not piece together the most basic sentences. I feel a lot of people think that they are the worst case scenario, that they're like hopeless in language learning. And it's exactly how I felt. Sometimes when I watch people that are good with languages, I have this attitude like they are confident, they're kind of like to interact with people, and they don't care if it's like they're messing up all the time and stuff. And I'm wondering, is that just your personality? Or do I need to be that in order to be successful too? It's a bit of both. And it is something you can learn. But keep in mind what you just said, you could change that to be about anything. Like somebody could say, oh, Dan, he is a natural at having a popular podcast. He was just born to do that. And it's no work for him. And you could counter that and say, well, actually, this is something I've spent years on. I put a lot of effort into and I've grown it. And, you know, there's a lot of things like that. I feel like any skill when you see somebody in the Olympics who's able to run fast and jump high and so on, it's very easy to say they're naturally good at it. What you're not seeing behind the scenes is the years of effort that went into getting them there. Back in Valencia, I was not confident enough to go up and say something in Spanish because I was absolutely sure that that Tarzan Spanish that would be coming out of my mouth would really kind of insult them. They would be rolling their eyes thinking, oh my God, does that guy not know the subjunctive yet? What a moron. I tried everything. I was serious about learning Spanish. It's not like I was lazy. I really genuinely wanted to learn it, but everything I tried, it seemed in retrospect, I understand why, but it just seemed to prove further that I was never going to learn Spanish. So I went to a group lesson that didn't have a lot of people, just had like five or six people in it, but I was the worst in the class. So that actually had a bad effect on me because at the end of every class, I would come out with my ego destroyed because everyone else in the class was laughing and putting their hand up and answering the questions. And all I could ever do was hear blah, 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 and answer C or no, and not really know what I was answering. And then I tried to read a book. I picked up El Señor de los Anillos, which is the Lord of the Rings. And I guess I had this genius idea that if I read that book, I would be fluent in Spanish. So I kind of had a dictionary at hand and it took me, I think, like two weeks to get to page two because I was looking up pretty much every word and most of them weren't in the dictionary because they were weird forms of verbs or something. So I tried a lot of random things and I kind of didn't really have a particular plan. I was just hoping I'd stumble across something and I didn't. And what happened was over the process of that six months, I was part of this international exchange community. People kept arriving with no Spanish, like the same I was at the start. And then I would see them gradually over a month or two start to speak it more and more. And I kept asking them, what's your secret? And they told me there is no secret. I'm just practicing a lot. And I kept like dismissing that and thinking, no, 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 there has to be something they're doing. I finally realized that the one thing I was not doing was speaking Spanish. I kind of figured in my head that I needed to do whatever else it was 
like studying or reading these books or using some software I download, whatever it was, I needed to do that for a while. And then I would cross a threshold where I would speak Spanish. That's not the way it works. The way we learned our native languages as babies was not process of waiting till we were ready. It was speaking immediately, making mistakes, getting feedback, and then just using that as a means of communication. So I actually embraced Tarzan Spanish. I decided to have a little experiment where for the entire month of November, I had one simple rule, no English, ever. You have to change from this idea that you are studying a language because that's kind of an academic way of looking at it. There's this thing you have to learn and you switch to the idea that you are living the language. What happened for me that showed me that this approach was really effective was just two weeks into it, I had bought an electric toothbrush and at the time they were very expensive compared to how they are now. So it broke and I was so mad about it that I stormed down to where I had bought it ready to demand a refund. I was like, how dare they sell me a shitty toothbrush? I was ready to demand a refund. I went to the manager, ready to give him hell. And then I suddenly realized, oh, oh my God, I don't know how to say toothbrush in Spanish. I don't know how to say broken. I don't know how to say refund. I don't know how to say anything. So I was facing this guy. I was mad. I needed to say what I wanted to say. I just used whatever words came to mind. You know, I was like, tooth machine, bad. And then I just said, dinero, ida y vuelta. And that's like money round trip. You know, <laughs> that's all I can muster up. And you know what? I got my money back. And this kind of showed me that even with my butchered Spanish, I was achieving a goal. And it was a real turning point for me because after that, I saw that maybe I do actually speak Spanish. And maybe saying you speak Spanish isn't about that you speak it fluently, you've mastered the language, you know every word in existence. It's that you are able to express yourself to a certain level. You're able to achieve simple goals. And when you have that, then it's a lot easier to get more practice. And practice gives you the momentum. And the momentum helps you improve very quickly to get to that fluency level. This level stuff is fascinating to me, I suppose, because my intention is to be in Spain for a while. So at what level do deep friendships become possible? I know what you mean. And this is something I've spent a lot of time considering in terms of language level and being close to people. What do you actually need to do? Related to that is a few projects I've had where I try to blend in with the locals. I try to kind of see if I can convince a local that I am a native speaker of their language. It's not that you're able to use really quirky expressions. That is a part of it. You know, if you can express yourself to a greater level, then that's fine. But you are at the stage where you can actually express yourself for nearly everything you could possibly want to say, just talking around it a little bit. Like there's a word, you know you want to say that word, but instead of saying that word, you say, oh, you know, the thing like this, and you describe it, you give the definition of it. And then you've achieved the same goal. I would say that if you reach that fluency level, especially because it means the other person can speak to you naturally, whereas the level just below it, the conversational level, they have to slow down for your benefit. They have to intentionally use simpler words, whereas a fluency, they can say whatever they want. And then if you don't understand the word, you just ask them, what does that mean? And then your conversation continues. That level of fluency allows you to have deep friendships. 
So one thing that really helps me when I'm considering this immense task that I'm about to take on is quantifying it. So I'm wondering if you could do that for me. Like, is there a number of hours or days that I would need to practice Spanish, generally speaking, in order to reach a basic conversational level? I do hear this question a lot, like, what's the number of hours that we should be putting into this? It's not exactly the right way to look about it, because for me, a language can't be learned. It can only be lived. So it's not about deciding, okay, most of my life is in English, but for two hours an evening, I'm going to switch into Spanish mode. I don't think that's a good way to go about it. I think it's more about changing your lifestyle so that you embrace a lot more Spanish. In Valencia, then, how did your life shift? And when were you starting to have these sorts of conversations? So it was very difficult because for those first six months, I had made a lot of friends who I only spoke English to. And a lot of these were Spanish people, but they were Spanish people who were kind of, I didn't realize it until I made the switch, but they were kind of using me for free English practice. I found that for those first few months, I made a lot of progress because I started going to the Erasmus events. They're third year in university. They're on an exchange to a different country. So I actually learned a lot of my Spanish from Italians, from Germans, from French speakers. And it's because they were in the same boat as me. They were learners. They're not necessarily going to speak as fast as Spaniards speak because they do speak very fast. And they were not going to use as complicated words. And that eased me in. It's funny, I've noticed that speaking with store clerks that are from China or Pakistan have been the only sustained conversations I've had in Spanish so far. And rather than think of that as a bad thing, like, oh, I can only speak Spanish to non-Spaniards, think of it as your first foot in the door. So that was the first thing. And then after that, I transitioned into speaking a lot with Latin Americans, so there would have been Colombians and Mexicans and Peruvians who were also living in Valencia. And I started talking to them because Latin Americans tend to speak slower and a little clearer. They'll open their mouth a bit more when they're talking. So I started talking to them. That gave me more momentum and a lot more confidence that I was speaking with native speakers. And I highly recommend you turn on the TV and see if you can find some telenovelas, soap operas from Latin America, because... My God, those are so easy. You will be able to follow what they're saying because of the very basic like storylines and also because they speak so clearly. And then over the period of the next few months or the year or whatever, you find you're able to have more and more conversations with the Spaniards themselves. So don't think of it as this kind of big quantum leap of you being an English speaker, switching to you having amazing deep conversations with a fast speaking Spaniard, break that up into little steps and have those as your milestones along the way. I was speaking with a friend who his first language learning experience was similar to ours. You know, he's living in a foreign country for many, many months and it wasn't working out. And his strategy that ended up working for him was to go to italki.com and hire a teacher off that website. And I've noticed that in your new course, you've also mentioned them. So can you talk a little bit about how you can use a service like that or that service to learn a foreign language? Yes. A lot of people say that they would love to learn a language, but they can't go to the country right now. So actually, what I found to be more effective is not necessarily learning the language in the country, but learning it ahead of time. Learn it when you're not in the country so that when you do get to the country, you have 
momentum. You already speak a little bit and you start gravitating towards the right kind of people. Whereas if you arrive with no Spanish, you're more likely to gravitate towards the English speakers. So because of that, learning via Skype is actually better in some ways. Italki, that website is one of my favorite tools to find those teachers because those teachers are living in those countries, which means you can take advantage of currency differences. So for instance, you can get Mandarin lessons for like $10 an hour with an excellent teacher who's got years of experience. Now, I found a teacher that I like on there and I'm about ready to send her an email. What would be like for a relatively busy entrepreneur like myself, like what would be a reasonable rhythm and time to do these lessons? Well, it's not necessarily a question of like how much time should I book or how many sessions a week. It's more about consistency and momentum. So rather than think to yourself, I'm going to book a two hour long lesson on Saturday that I'm going to be building up to all week long, I would say it's way more beneficial to book four or five 30 minute sessions. Have many, many very short sessions. And then if you're busy, then you can still say that you're going to put one hour, especially if you're dedicated to the project, that you're going to put one hour into it a day. At a minimum, I would say that. And that means that if you have a spoken session, that would be your second half hour and your first half hour would be trying to relearn the phrases that came up in the previous conversation so you can use them this time. That kind of consistency of spoken practice is what people need. So I would try to aim for that. And 30 minutes a day is something that people can put aside. And the thing with language learning is it's not the kind of thing that you can do in just an hour or two a week. I mean, you can put the time into it. But if you genuinely want to learn the language, you get a lot more bang for your buck when you have consistency. It means the next time you have a lesson or the next time you're in study mode, you don't have to spend the first half hour just trying to get back to where you were before. It's still fresh in your mind if you do it on a daily basis. So I would tell people, just decide that for the next three months or whatever amount of time you think you can put into this, you are going to make some sacrifices. You're not going to binge watch anything on Netflix. You're not going to go out to like networking events three times a week. You're going to cut that down to two times a week. You know, you make these little sacrifices so that you have a tiny bit of extra time. And I know all about being busy. I have like 3000 emails I get a day from all over the world. But I also know that if I want to improve my skills in something, I need to do it consistently rather than think I don't have the time. I find ways to make the time. So Benny came out with you with some tough love here is like, hey, man, you can't just keep reading about this stuff. You have to get out there and actually speak a language if you want to speak a language. And this is actually the sort of advice that Ian and I have given out countless times on this podcast. You know, reading about business tactics is not the same as actually performing business transactions. They're totally different experiences. And I thought a lot about what Benny said after I got off the phone with him and I was thinking how I could put myself in more situations like this on a day-to-day -day basis. And the good news is I feel like I don't really have to like invert my lifestyle in order to do what Benny's talking about. And so I think I could start to incorporate this on a day-to-day -day basis. But that said, there's a part of my brain that wouldn't shut up. It might be like the entrepreneur side of me that was like, how long is this going to take me? Like I got to know how long... Is it going to be till I can ride my bike next to a person on the road and have a conversation with them in Spanish? How long is it going to be till I can sit at a dinner table, 
have the waiter come over, crack a joke, and get through the whole dinner service without good old English crutch. So I did what I did. In times of need, I called a friend. (laughs) And this one just so happens to be a multilingual language coach as well. His name is Adalsa Ness, and he's the founder of the Mimic Method, which is a unique way of learning to speak languages that borrows a lot of inspiration from the way that musicians learn to play music by ear. Let me tell you about a situation. We live in a world divided by races and nations and nobody learns the other person's language, no. So I'm like, yo, somebody needs to change it. So I started thinking about this thing called flow. Si me permites hablar en español, te explico con las lenguas lo que es más importante que es Okay, so the reason I'm calling you, Dalsa, is we don't talk shop a lot, but I got a serious problem and a question that I want answered, which is how long is it going to take me to learn a language? Hmm, yeah, so tricky question. Why? The reason why is because there's a lot of variables that go into it. The main variables being you and the language you're trying to learn. The reason for it is because when you look at the standard ways of learning a language, what they're doing is they're kind of conflating two types of language, written language and spoken language. You need to determine what is it that your actual end goal is. Is your goal to read Don Quixote one day or is your end goal to be able to have you know, a fluent conversation with somebody in Barcelona? You tell me, what is your actual end goal if you're trying to learn Spanish? There's two things that I have in my mind that would be wonderful. The first is that I could go to a restaurant and talk with the staff there fully in the local language and, you know, make a few jokes, talk a little bit, and that's the end of it. And then the other situation that I have in my mind is that I could ride with so many of the wonderful cycling groups here that are primarily Spanish-based and, like, show up to the group ride that I could have a basic conversation with them about, you know, where they're from and what they're doing and why they like to ride their bike. Great. Well, yeah, you did a very, very perfect job of what I always recommend people to do, which is to come up with a very vivid image of what they're trying to achieve. Because if you come into it and you're like, oh, I just want to learn Spanish, you know, it's a very vague goal. So oh, I want to be a businessman, you know, <laughs> well, like doing what? Right. So you've found your niche. Right. And you said restaurant and bicycle. These are situations you're going to find yourself in very often. And you set aside what your end goal is. There's no reading and writing in there. It's just spoken conversation. So I have kind of a framework for getting you to that stage. Basically, there's two stages to it, capacity and conversation. So the capacity stage is about your pronunciation, your hearing. Conversation is about using the sounds to actually communicate with people, right? What do I mean by capacity? So the Spanish language, you're in Barcelona right now, right? Yes. Okay, so you're walking down the streets and you hear people talking. You don't understand what's going on. There's two reasons you don't understand. What you're aware of, of course, is you don't know what the words mean, right? But before you even know what those words mean, you don't actually have the ability to hear those words properly. You know, before understanding, you have hearing, perception. And if you wanted to communicate with people, before you can speak, you have pronunciation. So this is what I mean by capacity. Capacity is developing your ability to actually hear and pronounce the sounds. So you had kind of forwarded me an article you written before on TMBA about learning to play guitar. Yeah, I'll tell you the framework that I found is that there's this weird, for the listeners that don't know, playing the guitar is not about understanding music, it's about contorting your fingers onto an instrument. And if you contort them for 10 hours, I've found, then you can actually play the guitar at a basic level. 
So I was asking you a similar question, like what do I need to learn to contort in my brain in order to have a basic conversation in Spanish? Before you can contort your brain, what you actually need to contort is your speech instrument, right? So the same way the first time you try to play like a G chord, your fingers feel very awkward. The first time you try to wrap your mouth around like the Spanish word like ferrocarril, it's going to be very awkward, right? Actually, just to see where you're at right now, try to say ferrocarril. Ferrocarril. That's your first time playing a G chord and you're like, Bleh, right? <laughs> now, back to your original question, why is it so hard for people to put a time limit on it? It's because, at least in my opinion, they're going about it their own way. Before they can actually say ferrocarril, they're trying to learn what it means. They're trying to use it in a conversation. They're trying to understand people when they say it. And the way they do that is they use the crutch of writing, right? So imagine before you can play the G chord, you learned how to like write it in notation, right? That's the problem. So you just need to sit down and like really learn the pronunciation. In the Spanish language, in your article, you said there's five chords that if you know these five chords, you can play the majority of like Western pop music. In Spanish, there are 39 elemental sounds, I call them. Everything you're hearing right now in Barcelona in the streets, there's also the dialect language there as well, but anyone speaking Spanish in the streets in Barcelona, if you slow that down matrix style and broke that down into its elements, there's only 39 of them. That still sounds pretty intimidating. Sure, very intimidating, except that of those 39, the majority exist in English. So, you know, your English guitar, let's just say you already know like four of the chords, and then Spanish is like, you know, one more you need to learn, sort of. I'd say about 80% of these you already have in English, and there's a handful of sounds that you need to know in Spanish. So that reduces your workload to about like 13, like 15 sounds that you just need to learn. One of them being the R sound from ferrocarril. Say the sound again, actually. R. Yeah, so you have the beginning of it. So kind of like with your G chord, you're kind of getting it, and therefore you can't play a song with it. Maybe you can kind of strum it, but you can't play a song with it. You see where I'm going with this? I do. There's a lot of overlap between this with music. So that's the basic gist of it. When you're building your capacity in Spanish, the first kind of checkpoint you want to get to is being able to have a waiter or your Spanish bicycle friend, when they say a word to you or when they say a short phrase to you, you should be able to hear it and mimic it without knowing what it means. I see what you're saying. That's what you're on about with the mimic method. Exactly. This is the major distinction between how we go about learning a language and everyone else. There's basically three things in a language, right? Hearing and pronunciation, speaking and understanding, reading and writing. If you try to go about it reading and writing first, it's like learning guitar by reading and writing first. I'm saying start with the actual physical capacity. Learn the 39 elemental sounds. Those are like your individual notes. Then combine those notes together like chords. Those are called syllables when you have you know, two or more elemental sounds combining together. Then finally, on the top level of a sentence, when someone says to you, Hola, como estas, Daniel? Right? There's three things going on there. I'm making syllables, I'm pronouncing syllables, I'm putting them in a rhythm of stress and spacing, the same way in a guitar, there's rests and whatnot, and there's intonation as well in language. The way your voice goes up and down in Spanish is different from the way your voice goes up and down in English. You can train each of those components separately, bring them all together, and then you have the music of Spanish, where you're able to, once again, mimic the bicyclist, mimic the waiter, once you're able to mimic, then you move on to the conversation stage. If you remember from guitar, if you keep practicing for a while, your brain kind of melts after like an hour of intense focus. Exact same in my experience for learning a language. There's about like 
an hour of mental exertion you can do before you know you hit failure point in which case you need to sleep in order to rest and like internalize everything and then do it the next day if you're doing an hour a day for about three to four weeks and you're a musical person it's usually faster it'll take about three weeks probably for you to get to the point where you can mimic spanish to a decent level once you're able to mimic then the next stage is conversation Conversation, you'd start off very basic, learning the basic 80-20 words and phrases that will allow you to like to say, agua, por favor, si, pasame. And this very kind of caveman in Spanish, we call that simple conversation. The next step in that process I call scripted conversation. And this is specifically where you, Dan Andrews, focus on what matters to you. You're not learning about la biblioteca and like all these other things you do in like a Spanish textbook. Hugo named Aran, huh? It's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Scripted conversation is where you're, the same way a comedian will memorize routines. You said yourself you want to tell jokes to the waiters and whatnot. Like, you have your jokes you say in English. Basically, you sit down with a native speaker of Spanish who also knows English very well, and you help them come up with these scripts for you, not reading and writing, but you're memorizing them by ear. And then you just go into that restaurant every day, and you try to run these jokes. You try to say, hola. You go to meet up, say, hola, mi nombre is Dan introduce yourself, you're doing this over and over again until you're comfortable in that specific context of a restaurant, in the specific context of introducing yourself, in the specific context of riding a bike. You learn what all the different parts of a bike are, the wheels, the spokes, you know, the tire, all these words that I wouldn't learn in Spanish early because I'm not riding bikes, but you would because it's relevant to you. And you just focus on those specific contexts, mimicking all the while whenever your bicycle friends are saying things. If you already have the ability to mimic and you put yourself in those situations, you can get to a very high level of like fluency in that context within a matter of, once again, three to four weeks. So basically in two months, you can achieve that goal of being like pretty confident in that context of biking and, you know, orange juice ordering at a restaurant. I've been looking at this for a few weeks now. Just for my mindset, I have to like know what my investment is and know what my return is going to be. And I'm just got my residency and now it's like, okay, what's the investment? So here's my strategy. I'm going to run it by you. My plan is to, I've identified a brilliant teacher on the website iTalkI. And my plan was to speak with her for a half an hour every weekday, like before I start my workday in Spanish. So if you were a betting man and I'm speaking with a native speaker for half an hour every day in the morning and then being able to go out and deploy it, you know, in the evenings when I go to the bodega or whatever, how long would you suspect before it is that I could get to these visions that I have of having a fluent conversation with a few laughs with the waiter and being able to talk about the flat tire I had last week while I was riding to Girona with my riding partner? It all depends on how precise you are with this teacher. If you are doing more of a standard thing where the teacher comes and gives you general information, you focus a lot on learning how to spell, learning how to read and write, it can take you a long time. If you don't put in the effort and time into really figuring out how to contort your mouth the right way, contort your ear the right way to really internalize these sounds, this is what takes people years to do. If you do it sequentially and you master hearing, master pronunciation, master the instrument of your Spanish mouth. Then with your teacher, focus purely on perfecting your scripts, talking about your bicycle trip in Girona, talking about the waiters and ordering things. You don't waste any time on grammar theory. You don't waste any time on literacy. I would not go with a teacher that wanted to go down that route. Great. Good. Perfect. Well, I always recommend people to take ownership over their tutoring sessions. If you take that kind of ownership, I think you can achieve the vision you spelled out for me at the beginning of this call in two months. 
what happens is through the acquisition of more and more context that you're comfortable speaking in, you eventually get to a point that I call like the shift, you know, the mental shift, paradigm shift. I'm not sure how far you got in your guitar training, but you get to a point where you can just improvise. That's the same thing in language. Spontaneous conversation is what I call it. That's what we're doing right now. We didn't rehearse this. We didn't prepare it. We're just speaking off the top of our head on any subject. That's what you're really striving for in like Spanish fluency. But in order to get to that spontaneous level, that improvised level, you first need to put a couple of songs under your belt. So, you know, this is your John Devery discography. You fill up my senses. For the restaurants and bicycling, yeah. <laughs> Once again, European framework, the way they typically teach language is backwards. And they start you with command. And they start you with, like, learning how to read and write. And this is what you get with a lot of people who've been studying for years. We start with a very academic approach because that's what we're used to after years of schooling. But, you know, you got to start from the street. Speaking of streets, Idalis and I come from the same neck of the woods. And... I think we've bumped into each other in like four or five countries. Pretty interesting. So although their methods vary, their advice boils down to the same thing, which is you got to take action at some point. Like Adelsa said, you know, you got to get out there on the street and you got to start interacting with people. So the question remains, how long is it going to take for me to learn Spanish? <laughs> what am I going to do with this advice that I've received today? Well, so here's what I'm going to do. Now, I got to give myself a brief hiatus from Spanish language guilt because I am heading off for DCBKK. I'm going to be spending some time in Asia, hanging out with attendees, doing some business. But when I return to Spain, my intention is to, and I've already selected a teacher, is to schedule 30 minutes of conversation a day. And so I'm going to take the street to my computer because I just, I'm happy to start interacting with people more IRL, so to speak, in real life. But I need this process to be efficient so that I can continue to pursue a lot of the time-intensive projects that I have on my plate right now. So there's this website called iTalkI. I found a teacher on there. It's sort of like Upwork for Spanish teachers. And I'm going to take this conversational approach that Benny's given me with the mimic method that Idaus has given me. And I'm going to basically go to this language teacher and say, look, I don't want to follow what you've done with your students. I'm going to take these approaches and I want to have a conversational approach. And I just, I want to talk with you for 30 minutes a day. So what do you think of that strategy? That's my distillation of this. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I won't keep you in suspense for too long. I'll let you know how my Spanish language progress comes along in later episodes of this show. And a big shout to Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months and Adalson Ness from themimicmethod.com. Do check out their sites if you're interested in learning a foreign language. And we will be back, as always, next Thursday morning. I think that's Proximo Jueves Mañana. I got a long way to go. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.